Welcome, welcome, welcome to the TPM podcast, Theology of Plain Men. Uh, we are here in the St. Clair Studios, also known as Zach's Basement. Uh, <laughs> happy to, to go out to all of you uh, listeners over the radio waves today. I'm here with my very good friend, Michael Francis. Michael, how you doing? Pretty good, Matt. Pretty good. Outstanding. Uh, so, Michael, our, uh, our friend Zach, who were in his basement... I hear that something happened to him at work today that I would love to share with all of the listeners. Um, <laughs> this Zach's not here right now, topic, so it's so. gonna be it's gonna be perfect. But we're gonna share it on his behalf because he doesn't have any choice. He's yep. not on the air with us. Yep, that's totally true. Well, Matt and I are working today around lunchtime, and we're recording on a Wednesday for all of you out there, which is known in our world as Hump Day to get through that week. And around lunchtime, Mr. Zach Doman texts. Uh, Brad Gustafson, who is no longer a contributor. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> Shout out Brad, who might be listening to this one. I hope so. Um, and Matt and I, and goes, guys, period. It's been a it's been a great day. I just ripped my crotch or my pants in my crotch, not my crotch. And and good start to the Wednesday, period. <laughs> and uh, we had some fun with that, texting back and forth after that, and. Uh, Kind of thinking through those dreams that everybody has, you know, like your pants fall down in class, you rip your pants, you know, things like that. Like you show up, you know, naked in public, the reoccurring <laughs> dreams that some of us have, not me. Can <laughs> <laughs> we turn this into a therapy session, Michael? <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just saying that that would be one of those things that all of us think about never or think about and hope never happens to us. Man. Out of way, Zach. We all have those days, though. Um, and it was just one of those for him. So hope that cheered you all up. Uh, we are today launching into another one of our uh, topics today in our misconception series. Um, and if uh, if you're jumping right to this podcast and haven't haven't listened to some of the earlier episodes, we're in the middle of a series right now talking about misconceptions of Christianity. So how does the culture in America and around the world understand Christianity, and how do um, how does culture see us correctly and incorrectly, and specifically, we're tackling some of those incorrect uh, viewpoints today. Uh, so, Michael, do you want to kick us off with uh, the specific one today? Yeah, and I think this is going to be an interesting series of going through these things, and, and I think it, it's helpful for me as a Christian to go through these things and walk through on, okay, why do these misconceptions exist, and then... What, what can we as Christians do about them to amend them? How can we readdress them? And how can we better define them through Scripture? One look inward and one look outward. For our listeners, the misconception that we're specifically talking about today is when somebody says, oh, Christians are so judgy. They just judge everything. They're so judgmental. And they're so hypocritical in their judgments and seem to pick and choose so to sum up, the title of today is Christians are judgy. And we've been talking about this, Matt, as we got ready to record. And we were thinking there's a couple different angles to approach this. But I think the, the verse that everybody thinks about that's quoted, I think, often by the non-Christian community, maybe more than the Christian community, I think so. it comes from Matthew, um, the book of Matthew. So that was written by Matthew. Luckily, some, some of the books in the Bible are named of the author. Some is the main character, right? So it's kind of funny. But Matthew was written by Matthew. 
Uh, it was the gospel, first book in the New Testament, written mainly from a perspective of a Jew to other Jews, which is one interesting thing about how the, the gospel of Matthew was specifically written. But in the early part of Matthew, Matthew 7 through, I forget the chapter, but at least 8 or 9, it's all about uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and the events directly thereafter. So it's a very heavy teaching portion. We're in Jesus' earthly ministry, so he's been on the earth for approximately 30 years or so. He started his ministry and his, his walk towards Jerusalem where he'll eventually be put on the cross, but he's in his teaching phase and his evangelism phase of his ministry. So that's the perspective of this chapter. He just got done preaching, like I said, the Sermon on the Mount with his famous verses like, you know, blessed be the peacemakers and all those. And, and that all those famous verses come from the Sermon on the Mount. And there was a group within uh, within the Israel community, Israeli community, <laughs> the Hebrew community at the time called the Pharisees. And they were a political group uh, and a religious group of, of teachers and scribes and elders who were very, we would consider them very legalistic. The, the idea being, and often Christians can fall into this, but the idea being putting many, many rules around faith and religion, rules to follow. They have a list of things to do. They must do these to, in their view, be good with God. And often in the Gospels, we see that Jesus versus the Pharisees. And this, in Matthew 7, is about that context of Jesus versus the Pharisees. So that was just a little bit of contextual background to bring in what Jesus is talking about. And Matt, do you want to bring us into Matthew 7 now? Yeah, I'll actually read it here. Um, all right, so Matthew 7, this is from the ESV. Judge not that you be not judged. Um, I feel like I should read this from the King James. This <laughs> That's probably where it's most quoted from. Um, all the fun verses are. All right, judge not that you may not be judged, oh, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it, be, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So if you've been around the Christian world for a while, you've heard probably both sides of that passage. But chances are you've heard those segmented. There's the first first two words that are normally segmented out of it that are judge not, dot, dot, dot. And it's left at that. It's judge not. Or sometimes the full verse, judge not lest you be judged. And um, and then there's the other one, the other story about the log in your eye and the speck in your brother's eye. Um, but I see, it, I see it truncated so much, and especially by people outside of the church. We leave it at judge not. And uh, we want to get into that a little bit today. Um, judge not. Okay, got it. It seems easy, but, but it, it maybe isn't quite so simple. So, Michael, um, I, I think maybe the first thing we should tackle is what is judging. What does that even mean? Yeah, no, it's let's unpack this. This is a, a good place to dwell on. Judging somebody. When I think of a judge, I think of a courtroom determining right versus wrong. So judging something would be to pull out the engineer in me, to pull out the science background, I should say, is the deter- the determination, the use of facts to the determination of right versus wrong of you are trying to make some kind of decision of is this the right thing or the wrong thing. And an interesting part of this and misconceptions 
that I, I think I want to bring up, and, and you probably do too, Matt, is isn't that what we all do every single day? Whether it's, oh, it snowed this morning. Should I go into work or not? I'm making a judgment based on the conditions of the road, or should I work from home because this is still COVID season? Um, so some of us have that flexibility and that blessing, but that's a judgment. Or a person, uh, somebody you disagree with or something you disagree with politically of, oh, is that right or is it wrong? Um, smoking, let's do that one, like a social thing. Is it right or is it wrong? Um, based And you make a decision, and in, in, in as you look, whether you're a smoker and you look at somebody smoking and say, hey, that's a great thing, or somebody who is very against smoking, oh, that's a very wrong thing. So as we go through life, whether we see things or interact with things across the board, everyone is constantly judging everything. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So um, for the sake of the conversation, let's narrow the scope down to uh, moral moral judgments, uh, unless you know strategic or just daily judgments about you know what what you should do to get on with your day. So let's say uh, judging is looking at another person outside of yourself and saying that decision, that belief, that action was good or bad, if you will. So so that can be our framework for looking at this, um, and and to you know really kind of hit home the the misconception. I think that the uh, prototypical person that we have in mind the caricature of this embodiment uh would be uh, a street preacher right someone standing up on a soapbox on the corner of a busy intersection or for us it was uh on the mall of the university of minnesota and saying you people are sinners you people are going to hell you are living in sin you were doing all of these things so wrong um re- repent and, uh, you know, turn from your sinful ways. Um, so I, I think that a lot of the world can look at that and say, you know, Christianity, Christians, evangelicals specifically, um, tend to stand up on their soapbox, maybe not so publicly as that, but on, on our moral soapbox and look down at everyone else, turn our noses up at them and say, look at all of you. You have no idea what you're doing. All of you are just sinful. You need to change your ways and uh, become like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it might be, <laughs> and I'm going to go into dangerous territory. One, because we only have two people on the mic, so this might turn more into a conversation of Matt and I sparring rather than a third person jumping in. But we didn't talk about this in prep warm-up, but uh, prep warm-up. <laughs> uh, I'm too much of a like an athlete thinking of exercises to do before I get on the mic. <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, so like, like you're saying, a Christian – is viewed as judgy because we come down and we say, there is a moral code, there is right and wrong, follow this right, you are wrong. And a non-believer tends to look at that and, and while we can get into this, I do believe that everybody has a, has a worldview and has a moral code that they're following, whether in the front of their mind or not, whether it's explicit or implicit, they have a moral code that they're following by and making moral judgments every day. But... Our culture, especially in Midwest America, is, well, as long as it makes them happy. And that's really the the moral altar that things are put on is, you know, that might be against my implicit moral code. Like, I would never do that, but it seems to make them happy. What do you, what do you think, Matt, on, on that 
difference. <laughs> um, it sounds like a judgment call to me. <laughs> so whether you're happy or not means it's good or bad. So it's still a judging framework. I agree, though. I think it's how the world looks at it. So um, a quick way to shut down this argument, and it probably isn't helpful for the sake of this discussion, is to say, even if we truncate our scope to what we defined as judging, everyone does it all the time, whether we like to admit it or not. Because like you said, we all have our own world worldview. And we believe it because we think it's right and we think it's good, right? We wouldn't believe in Christianity if we thought it was wrong or incorrect or um, a, a less good worldview than, than some other worldview. So obviously we think that it's superior and that other people should believe it. But someone who is a, a Buddhist or a Muslim or an atheist, they all believe those respective things because they have done their research, because they have their beliefs and think they're right. Um so I think it's kind of silly to to fully ignore that and pretend that we live in uh, a different world than than reality is. Um, but at the same time, I I think that we as Christians must take the misconception, if you will, and analyze ourselves and think where have we done this historically? How do we do this today? Um, and and what's what if any is the right way to judge other people? I, is there any right way? Um, so yeah, how, how do we yeah. do that ourselves? Yeah. So to stop you just for a second, because you, you expertly just slapped my point in the face correctly, but I think it, I'm just going to circle back on it and circle the wagons here for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an inside joke for all of our listeners. I use the phrase circle our wagons and these guys hate when I do it. So anyway, circling back on the happiness idea is you're absolutely right of uh, the judgment is does this make somebody happy or not? And if it's not making happiness, then it's not a good thing. And I think that's really just central. I want to circle back because that is, I've seen non-Christians in my life at work disagree with something and say, oh, that really doesn't make sense. But I guess it makes them happy. And they were unwilling to make the moral judgment explicitly because they were worried about offending another group. So yeah, that's a great point. It's even when you say, oh, it's happy or not happy, that is the moral judgment. And then two, looking at it, like you said, from a global perspective, America, whether people like that or not, is based on Judeo-Christian backgrounds and beliefs from our founding. Um, and we can look at history for that. But if you go somewhere else globally, Matt, you and I have both traveled a decent amount internationally. And it's, it's very different of... You look at the Muslim world within, you know, the the 1040 window, as Christians say, but around the, the Middle East and very Sunni or Shiite Muslim areas, they have a whole different judgment that they're doing. It would be considered much more judgy than our culture thinks Christians are. So it is kind of a intellectual hypocrisy, per se, to say that, oh, this Christian group is very judgy uh, and nobody else is as judgy as a Christian group. And that's one point we want to bring out is it's a mi- this is a misconception one because everybody's judging whether it's explicit or implicit but point 2 where have we and why has in America and in probably western Europe and in Europe in general in the west we could say um why are christians labeled as judgy um i i think a big reason for that is that in the west christians have been the primary and the majority um, religious people of, of that culture. And so um, the, in the, the history of the world, religion has been 
uh, let's say the history of the modern world, at least religion has been the primary mode to regulate moral morality in society. Um, and so if, uh, if anyone has uh, a religion, uh, what, whatever that is, it, it does have moral regulations around it. Um, and, and in the West, it's been Christianity. So, um, for instance, uh, Christianity, the, the Bible and, and Jesus in various places says, you know, do not commit adultery. And it's pretty widely accepted in our culture. Like cheating on your spouse is a bad thing. It is um, immoral. It, you could, some would say sinful. Um, but but that that's a regulation put on by Judeo-Christian values, not by just uh, in a uh, you know just uh, society at large just finding their way to getting there. So that that could be taken as a good moral judgment. But let's bring in let's say um, homosexual marriage into it. Uh, something that would be very controversial today. And um, th- the Bible does make specific statements about homosexuality. And um, when it is in conflict with societal um, direction or progress, if you will, uh, all of a sudden that becomes a moral limiting factor. And that's when it becomes controversial. And that's when the judgment discussion comes out because all of a sudden the moral limitations are constraining people's ability to live their life the way they want to and be uh, happy and be happy. Sure. Yeah. Um, totally agree. I, I guess I, I wasn't thinking about it that way, but you do look over the history and, and very often the fear of God or the church or, or societal judgment was the thing that kept people in line morally with the society. And one thing I do want to, call out here is just as a quick rabbit trail is often the church or the group whatever denomination or or religion or time has often had more rules than are actually sinful Um, and that can cause i think a lot of confusion is is the the most obvious example that you can just look up but i mean the catholic church has all of their catechisms right the, the Protestant church has many rules based on whatever de- denomination you're in. The Jewish church has the, the Mishnah and, and a lot other hedges around the law to keep you away from breaking the law. They have these other things that aren't really sins as defined by the law, but keep you from breaking a sin. Um, so those things can really push people the wrong way as well. Uh, so just wanted to call that out. That's a super important point to note. Um, and, uh, what, what we're not trying to do is, is be defensive and say, you know, Christians are, um, we're not responsible for, for filling this misconception because certainly at times in the past in times in the future, certainly, um, you know, Christians are these extraordinarily hyper judgmental people. I've known many, uh, I've interacted with many. I know Michael has as well. We've done some of that together. Um, and, and for those people, uh, you know, they, they, they've done that for a, a various different reasons, but, um, I, I think the Bible does try to really give us direction for how Christians should operate as well. And that's something we should probably touch on too. And we see the first part of that in Matthew seven, as we went over, there is the first part, do not judge lest you be judged. And then he goes and gives an example. He, he says, first pick out the log in your own eye and then help your brother with the log in his own eye, in his eye right so it means first before you go and worry about other people get your house in order mm-hmm. yeah. work on yourself find find your own issues 
work towards sanctification and having a life driven toward holiness and then work on helping other people out. And so it's a very inward, uh, introspective and um, self-condemning process where you have to tear yourself down and go through that. So the the character that we're thinking of who is this self-righteous person who's going and saying, all of you need to become like me. That That shouldn't be what a Christian looks like, right? It should be, I am a broken, broken person. I am a sinner just like you. I have done nothing to deserve grace, but. Yeah, and that's that's where I was going to say the second reason this misconception is is put on Christians that we forget, and I think Christians need to remember, is that Christians are sinful too. And one thing about Christianity that differentiates itself from all the other religions. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you wonder what could, um, what should, or, or why should I believe in Christianity and why is it different than any other religion is, is one common thing that Christians fail to recognize more often than not. We often in other religions think that it is what we do that gets us right with God or gets us to heaven, that it is, the actions that we take, if we check off these boxes, we will get to heaven. And it's that that list that we put on other people and say, you need to follow this moral code if you want to get to heaven. And that is just completely backwards from what the gospel is. Because the gospel says it's not what you do or the things outside you that make you bad. It's what's inside of you. It's the, the, the nature within you is what's bad and broken. And that needs to be solved before anything, any moral code can be followed. And that's the biggest difference of Christianity is it's not what you do that gets you saved. There's only one thing that solves the problem that's inside. There's only one thing that fixes you. And that is the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf so that God could pour out his wrath for sin and, and show us how ugly sin is so that we could be as righteous as Christ is. And it is in that sacrifice and that love that God showed us that we then follow the moral code. So if we're not able to show people that we're broken, they are broken, then the moral code does not have any weight. And the moral code cannot... Ha- and we see our own speck, our own log, very clearly in the sacrifice of Christ. And that is the thing that starts this. And that's the domino that must fall first before we do that. And I think that's the biggest thing that we communicate with the signs, you know, sinners burn in hell, those signs, is that you are not as good as us. And that's the wrong message, is we're all going to burn in hell. We are all guilty. We are all apart and separated from God, except for the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. Ah, that's so good. I got a little preachy. (laughs) You weren't on a soapbox though, so it's not judging. No. (laughs) Zing. Uh, um, uh, No, that's, that's exactly where I wanted to go, which is disappointing because I was really hoping to disagree with you a lot more in this. Um, But uh, I think an important point of this too, is that what, what that shows is change and influential change if you want to make a difference in somebody's life um 
I don't want to make this as a hard and fast rule, but almost always it's more more effective to do that on a personal level. So standing on a street corner and, and preaching and saying sinners burn in hell, there I, I genuinely believe many people have been saved from that and have uh, redeemed and repented and have come to know the Lord. Amen. Praise be to God. However, I, I can't imagine that's the most effective means of doing it. And likewise, I, I think a big focus of many evangelicals is to um, focus heavily on politics and regulation and um, regulating morality, if you will. And that's a whole other side of this topic that we're not going to talk about. And I think <laughs> I think there's a lot to go into there. And I, I wish we had time, but we don't. Um, I, um, I change is made on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And that's important because it's it's not shouting to whole crowds at a time. It's getting to know someone. And like you said, um, helping them see that it's it's about all of us. And I think that's one thing to think about here um, as we get down to the last two to three minutes um, as start, start to look at application steps is judgment is most effective from a seat of humility. If you're not able to communicate humility to somebody, you're not going to effectively communicate why you disagree with them because they're going to come at it. It's always going to be come towards, well, you just think you're better than me or you just think you're right and I'm wrong. But if you come at it with humility in the, the measurement that I use for that is, is this simple one. I am so quick to judge myself by my intentions. I whip into the lane of of the highway and cut somebody off totally by accident. I didn't mean to. I didn't see them. It was not my intention to cut them off or or to frustrate them or to cause road rage. It wasn't. It, I'm fine. It wasn't my intention. And then somebody does that to me, and I am flipping out. And oh, they meant to cut me off. And there's no grace there. So when when I am about to judge somebody else. I stop and consider their intentions and then I'm able to show grace for their actions, knowing that I am very quick to show grace for my intentions, even though my actions are probably bad. So flipping that really puts me on the seat of humility and saying, Hey, I'm really messed up too. And yeah, you're right. I I screwed that up as well, but I don't think what you're doing is wise either. And here's why. You took my application point literally word for word. Um, my, Michael Francis is prone to saying, judge, judge by my intentions, not my actions. And I've, uh, I've co-opted it for myself. Um, and so, I stole that from a guy named Joe Fry. So, all right, perfect. <laughs> um, it, it's important though. It is because, um, if you do that, you give grace to people beyond what, um, what you normally do. And that's a big part of eliminating this misconception. And again, we bring up every one of these misconceptions because in them, there's a seed of reality that, um, that grows and turns into a, a false caricature of Christianity that we, we do want to address. So we don't just want to defend and say, this isn't what reality looks like. We want to say, where is that seed of truth and how do we begin to weed it out mm-hmm. and, and align ourselves with truth, which is the Bible. Um, and if you want a few more reference verses to dig into this further on your own time, um, I would encourage you to continue reading through Matthew 7. Um, there, there's a lot more to that chapter, Absolutely. including places where Jesus pretty explicitly judges people. Um, and that's <laughs> that's worth thinking about. Um, that's a funny one. That That's just funny, though, because it's like, oh, Jesus didn't judge. Look, he says judge not. But 23 verses later, those who prophesy in my name, 
heel in my name. I never knew you. I'm judging them. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not what Jesus meant by that verse. But keep going. Exactly. Um, the, there, we're also told to judge people in the church differently than people with, um, outside of the church. Yeah. That's worth noting. And Ooh, uh, That's a whole other topic. whole right other topic entirely. Um, and there's a lot of resources online um, to, to consider that. Um, Matthew 12 talks about, um, you know, a tree, a tree is known by its fruit. And, uh, so the, the idea that your actions and, you know, what you produce in your life does identify you. Um, John seven talks further about judgment and, um, judging not by uh, appearances, but rather with right judgments. First Corinthians six talks about, um, you will judge the world. Uh, and again, this is a, a little more eschatological, but, um, uh, meaning end times theology, <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> uh, but but there's there's so much more to this topic, and yeah. so go yeah, ahead. There, there's a lot to think about. But um, in terms of again, judging judging other people, be discerning. Mm-hmm. It's worth being discerning. We we all have a worldview, and we we think we're right. Have grace though. Have humility to yep. other people. Judge out of love, not out of hate. Mm-hmm. Judge. Don't be judging people because you spite them or that you think you're better than them. Like you said, a seat of humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. say it cause I had it, but judge people's intentions and, and not their actions and, and doing so is going to help take out this misconception and actually care for people well mm-hmm. and bring, bring them to a place of redemption. That should be the goal for all of us, right? Not to prove someone wrong, not to say that we're right, but to bring them to know Christ. Yeah. It's not to get our theological sword bloodied on the battlefield, right? No. And so to, in, in summary, Matt, all excellent, perfect points. So. Are Christians judgy? Yes, because everyone's judgy. <laughs> Do Christians judge improperly? Yes. And I, th- I think that's the, the two answers we came to there. Any other thoughts? That's kind of the, the sum up, I think. Yeah. But um, work on it. We all have to. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone. Um, there, there's a huge amount more that we can go into. Um, so reach out to any of us uh, with, with further questions. But um we, we really hope that our verbal processing about judgment and being judgy has been for your edification. This has been the Theology of Plain Man podcast. Take care, everybody.